Hey, what's going on, guys? Our guest today is actually the co-founder of Humboldt Apothecary. It is a local cannabis business. They have some really awesome tinctures. They have some fast-acting tablets. And it's just a really cool local business. And you can tell that they really care about what they put into their products. So if you're in the market for some new tinctures or you just want to check out some CBD products for the first time or you want some great natural fast-acting tablets, I would definitely recommend going and checking them out. I had a lot of fun talking with our guest today. She's awesome. I think you guys will, will like this conversation and maybe learn something from it. So please give it up for Jillian Levy. kind of never know where it's going to go. You know what I mean? And I don't even know where it's going to go. Cool. Well, yeah. I think that's the best part. Is yeah. You get to just sit down and pick somebody's brain and see, okay, what are you about? Like, yeah. Where, where's your mind going? And right. you especially, you are a fascinating individual, if I do say so myself. Oh, well, gosh. I don't know. That's giving me a lot of credit. <laughs> we'll see. Wait. Ask me again at the end of the podcast. <laughs> exactly. We might you reassess. speak too soon. <laughs> um, but Humboldt Apothecary. I'm a big fan of your business. Well, that's good to how hear. Did you, Thank you. How did you get started in the marijuana industry? Um, so, I mean, I've been in Humboldt now for, God, I'm going to I'm gonna date myself here, but like about 20 years, so quite some time. And so I've just always been around cannabis here. It's just such yeah, a it's part kind of, of a the staple. fabric. Um, have a lot of friends that are farmers and whatnot. And then um, we established the business in 2015, and we just kind of saw the cannabis industry going in a direction of legalization. And so um, I, I say we because I have a co-founder and a business partner, my friend, Susan Cleverton. So we started the business together, and we just kind of wanted we wanted to get in and create products that really spoke to us that we didn't really see like uh, represented in um, dispensaries at the time, you know, more like low dose kind of like um therapeutic products um more so than that just like super high concentrations of THC with lots of sugar and stuff that was it just didn't really speak to us so we were looking for a product that you know would speak to us and and um couldn't find it and decided to just create a line of products that that did did you guys start out with kind of a focus on CBD then that we was did. kind of the birthplace of yeah, it yeah okay. that was for sure yeah yeah, and we also started by mixing other medicinal herbs with cannabis, which is, is kind of unique um, in the industry right now. And I don't know, um, it's it's surprised us, I guess, because looking like historically the use of cannabis, it's been combined with a lot of other medicinal plants for a lot of different purposes. Um, like if you look at like the old um, pharmacopoeias and stuff that like the doctors would, you know, write up these recipes for everything from like a hangnail to cancer or whatever. Um, they used kind of like a range of medicinal herbs together with cannabis. And so um, we kind of wanted to resurrect that kind of uh, use of cannabis. And um, and that was kind of how our products were born. Do you think that's that's kind of been replaced, that idea of mixing that in there just because of the culture now where it's more so, oh, we're just going to make it all fancy candy edibles yeah, I, I think it's probably more, I mean, I, I don't think we live in a culture anymore where 
Um, plants are, you know, used as medicine very commonly. So to a lot of people, that's kind of odd. But, you know, a hundred years ago or even less, that was very common. Most of that's been replaced by pharmaceuticals. Yeah, it's hard finding that nowadays. Yeah. For sure. It's not in Humboldt. I mean, yeah. we're, we're big fans of plant medicine here in Humboldt. But, you know, once you get out of our little bubble, most people, that's that's pretty odd to them, I think. Yeah, especially out of California Oh yeah, as a whole. Once For you sure. start moving east, it's like, okay, this is not normal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any plans to turn more towards thc heavy products or are you guys mainly just focused on cbd for the yeah moment? we actually kind of have started to move in that direction we just launched um two new products this uh year and they're a line of solventless tablets and we started with like a low like 300 milligram um bottles so they're 10 milligrams each thc there's an indica and a sativa and then we're going to launch another uh, round of those that's going to be a thousand milligrams. So we are kind of moving more in that direction just because, um, you know, CBD kind of experienced this like total heyday where everyone was freaking out and putting it in everything. And um, it's sort of less popular now in dispensaries than it was even, you know, a year or two ago. Oh, is it really? Yeah. So we're just, you know, we'll always have our CBD products. I'm a huge fan of CBD, but I, I like it mixed with THC, you know, and not just as like a hemp derived CBD concentrate but um yeah we are diversifying our thc line for sure and trying to kind of like um create products that like appeal to a broader demographic of people as well so why is it that cbd is kind of taking a backseat you know that is a really interesting question i i think part of it is that there was such a you know it's like we've had so many like plants that experience like a real heyday like kale like it had like yeah. you know like a yeah. major that was a um, moment yeah it was a moment and then acai i think mm-hmm. you know so i think cbd was like part of that craze. it was it was a rage there for a minute um and i think probably a lot of people have gotten products that are um not very effective because they don't contain what they say that they contain because there's really like no regulation of hemp CBD right That's now. That's a big problem, right? It's a really big problem. So imagine thinking you're you're getting this, you know, CBD product. It's got a thousand milligrams and, you know, the FDA ran a bunch of tests and a number of companies like, you know, maybe there was no CBD in there or there was a very small amount and, you know, not at all aligned with the label claims. So maybe a lot of people tried it experienced nothing and thought like i'm not wasting yeah, my money on this, this. I anymore don't <laughs> but i also think that really what ha- i think everybody leaned on their vices in the last year i'm not saying that thc is like overtly a vice because I, it's so medicinal but you know i mean when you when you get stressed out it's like where, where do you go like you either go for the whiskey or maybe you go for like the you know concentrates or whatever whatever is your vice to like help you get through a stressful time I think we all probably did that a little more than usual in the last year or so, you know? Well, yeah, they said that alcohol sales especially were up, even with the bars and restaurants being closed. People were still just, yeah, going to town, which I mean, what else are you going to do if you're stuck at home? What else are you going to do? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. That was stressful. I think that was maybe the most stressed out I've ever been, you know, at the beginning of the whole thing, realizing like, holy shit, like... Excuse my language. We're... <laughs> no, you can cuss. This, okay. is a, this is a podcast. We're, You're fine. We're going into this like pandemic and economic depression. I mean, that was... Scary. That was scary really stuff. scary. Yeah. So yeah. we all leaned on our vices a little bit. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. And two weeks turned into what? A year? It's been a year now? Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. I know. That's really crazy. It really is. Have you noticed an increase in sales related to this? Um, 
Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, we honestly, as a brand, like really took a hit last year between CBD sales being way down. And I think a lot of our demographic of people, um, I would say like um, our products are loved by, you know, like I think we have a stronger like female leaning demographic for sure. And then like um, a lot of baby boomers and older folks, you know, that are looking for um, ways to manage pain or insomnia Um those kinds of things. Um, and they were not going into dispensaries in the last year, you know? So it was, it actually was like a pretty challenging time for us. Uh, we saw our sales drop pretty significantly. And, um, you know, you may know that like the cannabis industry is pretty behind in terms of like, um, access, you know, like in the digital realm, um, like a lot of the, you know, the websites that the dispensaries have, they're not very well, like they don't always represent their inventory accurately. Mm. And so like, for instance, this was an example, all of a sudden it was super important for us to make sure that we were on people's online dispensary menus and we were missing from like 40% of them or something because um, maybe there was a threshold that triggered, like if it doesn't show up on the online menu, if there's only like a certain number of units of that skew. And so um, it just like, you, you have to override the system and nobody was doing that. The dispensaries were so stressed already. And I think they got hit hard too. You know, like they all in the beginning of COVID, they were looking at like, oh goodness, do we need to shut down? Then they had to like completely change like their operating procedures, you know, to keep things safe for their customers. And um, I think they were probably emphasizing the products that move the quickest on the shelves, which is generally flour and concentrates Tinctures, like they, they, they all like to stock tinctures and topicals, but um, they're, they're a product that sits on the shelves a little longer and it's for like more of a specific customer, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, we had a tough year. I'm not going to lie, you know? Um, and you guys have a lot of tinctures. So that we must do. have been we have like, really difficult. Yeah, we have a lot of tinctures. Yeah. So it, it was a challenging year. And, you know, cannabis, we didn't have access to PPP loans like everybody else either. So um, we just had to kind of like get real lean. And, um, you know, at this point, I don't know, I definitely consider myself an OG in the industry. Like we've been doing this a long time and, uh, my business partner and I, like we, we wear every hat, we do every task and, um, yeah, we're, we're not afraid to like get our hands dirty just to, you know, make it work. So that's cool. I'm You're, proud of that. You, you need know? that. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. We're pretty scrappy. That's good. I feel like in order to make it, especially in the cannabis industry where it is saturated, like you have, you have to have that if yeah. you want to stick around. Or you, you know? have to have like a lot of capital, which we Yeah, don't. to just throw money at it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. I would have thought the sales would have been up, but it makes sense if the marketing wasn't there and, you know, the website yeah, side of things. It's the access. Like we yeah. had so many people contacting us frustrated. Like I, I want to buy your product and I can't, you know, like I can't just sell it online. Um, I am looking for like a direct to consumer channel with a de delivery service, but that model's not really like very streamlined or worked out in cannabis either. Um, it's just such a, I mean, I know it's exploded in California, but it's still, it's very much bottlenecked, you know, like there are a lot of players in the industry with a lot of, you know, product and not a lot of places for it to go really. And so there, there are a number of different people, d different businesses that are working on like direct to consumer kind of things where you could get the product delivered and you could order it from, you know, somebody's website. 
And there, there are some brands that have figured that model out, but it's, uh, it's not very common yet, you know? So we're still working out a lot of kinks in the industry. It's just so new. Yeah. Yeah. And this was such a curveball. Like oh nobody planned on COVID coming in and disrupting everything like that. No, not at all. So if you didn't have the infrastructure, it's, you're kind of playing catch up. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. Yeah. There's not really any service like a Postmates, I guess, where you can deliver alcohol. You know what Postmates is? I don't. They're like an alcohol delivery oh, service. specifically alcohol. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, I think they might do food as uh-huh. well, but I know they do alcohol. Okay. But there's nothing like that for cannabis, is there? Well, there there is. I mean, there, there are delivery services that, you know, are kind of working directly with brands and consumers, but it, but it's new. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, and it's a totally new model because it's being built specifically for cannabis to like comply with all the regulations for cannabis. So I think we're going to see more and more of that coming for sure. But it's not like easily accessible to everybody. And part of the problem is just that the cost is really high right now. Um, so it doesn't, the numbers don't totally add up. Like if you have to pay $40 for your customer to get your product that costs $40 at retail, then you just like actually lost money because you sold that product to the dispensary for $20, you know? So it's like the, the numbers don't work. And I think that just goes back to, to like the volume factor that these businesses will be more successful when there's real volume to sustain them. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know that it's there yet. Are you guys, do you guys produce a lot of volume or are you doing a lot of it by hand still? Um, I mean, we have bottling equipment, so we're not, um, you know, poor, but it, but it's all kind of like semi-automatic. It's pretty small scale mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, I think that if we, you know, when we get to the point of scaling up to serving like a national um, industry, then, you know, we're talking like an entirely different setup, you know, for, for most companies in California, you know, are you guys primarily in California? Yeah, we're only in California right now, but we are working on, um, establishing ourselves in other States as well. That's kind of one of the goals of 2021 for us. So is there any regulational hoops, I guess you have to jump through to go into other States or as long as it's legal in that state, you're fine. Um, I mean, yeah, it's complicated. There's a lot of different ways to do it, but you basically need like a really good team of lawyers to guide you. Yeah, it's it's a lot of legal, um, you know, obstacles and paperwork. And yeah, I'm I'm not sure because I haven't done it yet. But and then it's, you know, each state is so different in how they're regulating the industry and their licensing process that it's unique each time you establish in a new state. So I'm surprised I would have I really thought that Biden would have legalized it. Yeah. I really thought that that would have been just an easy lob for him to to take off. I a lot of people think that um, there's a good chance that we could see decriminalization over legalization, mm-hmm. and that it might happen like during his term. Um, it's just I I think he has so many like bigger. <laughs> bigger problems. fish to fry. There's a He's lot. Got a lot There's of definitely a lot. On. There's a lot to deal with right now. Yeah. And while I think that marijuana would help and CBD would help a lot of people, I understand that. He's a uh, he's in a tough spot. He he's really got a is. lot of hard positions. I know. And decisions he has to make. Absolutely. But I was I was pretty psyched to hear um, Kamala give like a little push for. Um, legalizing cannabis in her debate with Mike Pence. I don't know if you caught that. I did But she gave a little cannabis shout out and I was like, yeah, oh, Kamala. <laughs> so hopefully we'll we'll see that revisited once we, you know, triage the like all the other problems. Yeah, that are exactly. Which I don't think we're gonna solve them anytime soon, but you know, 
Hopefully a couple of them we will. Maybe the answer is CBD, CBD yeah. and marijuana. If people just stop drink. Do you drink alcohol? Or you? I do. Okay. Yeah. But you favor? I definitely favor yeah. cannabis. Yeah. yeah. Especially like, um, I don't know, as I get older, like I just am not as resilient to it. And I just really don't like to wake up and feel like crap, you know? And uh, so that's kind of the beauty of cannabis. It's like you feel great when you use it and then it helps me sleep, um, helps a lot of people sleep. And then I feel good the next morning when I wake up versus like drinking is can Being be so fun over. in the moment, yeah. right? You wake yeah. up in the middle of the night and you're like, oh, this is uncomfortable. And then you just have a headache the next morning and it sucks. You know? It's like you blow a second day because mm-hmm. the next day you're not, you're not worth anything. Yeah. If you had a rough night, it's not, it's, it's not no fun. Good. Yeah. <laughs> you can't go do anything. You definitely don't want to go for like a hike right. or do anything physically active because you're just you're over it. Right. Yeah. So then you might start drinking again or... <laughs> yeah, right? Just keep it... Get a little hair of the dog to wake you up a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Do you notice for your clientele, do you have a lot of, like, older people? Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't have... Like a, 60s and 70s? A ton of... Um, I don't, I don't exactly, I just don't have data in my hands that really expresses like the range of like the demographic range. So I don't know for sure. Like the only feedback that I really get is um, if I do events at a dispensary or like I've done classes and people come in um, or I, you know, I, there, there are a number of people that reach out to us through email to ask questions. Sometimes people want to talk on the phone. And so I have kind of like a small pool of, you know, people that I Can have, have a constant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, I mean, my guess is that we do kind of appeal heavily to like for like an older demographic, but I, I can't really tell you what that breakdown is, you know? Yeah. The only reason I ask is I'm a big proponent for CBD. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. I use like the hand creams because I'm always working with my hands. So they always get tore up. Yeah. And I try to put as many people on to that as I can. But I noticed that the older generation, it's almost like there's still a stigma around, oh, yeah. oh this is marijuana. And it's like, no, there's no THC. It's not going to get you high. It's just like, it's like lotion. Just yeah. think of it like lotion. And there's still that pushback of, oh, yeah. oh no, I can't. I, I, it's illegal. It's, I'm like, this is legal. What do you like? I know. It's, it's crazy. It really is crazy. Yeah. I kind of feel like um, I love to talk to people like that because they're really interested in the science and, you know, the like they want more information. And um, I think it's just so fun to kind of like hold people's hand and like help normalize Walking that a little it, bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I just, yeah, I, I get that, you know, it really created um, a lot of like fear or concern, you know, like, no, you know, people, good law abiding citizens don't want to break the law. Right. So um, I can respect that, but um, it's a plant. You know what I mean? Like I've, I've heard every argument about, you know, anti-cannabis. And one of my favorites that I just really found entertaining was that somebody was like, I'm morally opposed to cannabis. Like, you know, like it's not um, holy or something. It's not a, a, a God, you know, it's not aligned with God. Or so that was the point that they were making. And I was like, yeah, but it's a plant. Yeah. Like if you believe in God, don't you think that, I mean, how did that plant get here? You know? Maybe God put it here if you if you buy that whole story, you know. So anyway, um, it's just hard to um, look at this beautiful plant and, you know, from my perspective, see, you know, any kind of malice with it. Um, but of course, yeah, that socializing and the, the stigma attached is very real for so many people. 
Yeah, it's hard to break through that wall. Yeah. Or if somebody's got that in their head that it's just evil, especially. If somebody says it's evil, you're like, oh, this is going to be, this is going to be a little rough. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then there's the other one that, you know, a lot of people will argue that um, CBD actually is psychoactive because the definition of psychoactivity is that it is like interfering and altering like the behavior of your neurotransmitters, you know, which THC and CBD both do. Um, although you don't feel like the mental psychoactive effects with CBD, it does interfere with the same neurotransmitters as THC does, you know. So, um, but I think it's interesting that people think CBD, like they can justify that a little more because it doesn't alter, you know, their perception, but THC does. So somehow that's, that's, that's bad, bad yeah. you know. Um, oh, that's another one that I always like to kind of roll around and play with, but, you know. My favorite argument is when somebody goes against THC or CBD, but they smoke cigarettes like a pack a day or they're drinking alcohol all the time. And I'm like, don't you just want to try something that's maybe a little bit better for your body? Yeah. Like just give it a shot and see what happens. And those are all psychoactive um, oh, plant yeah. ingredients too, oh, yeah. right? Like um, nicotine and tobacco. Yeah, you definitely feel buzzed after smoking a cigarette yeah. or a cigar. You feel something. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. What do you say to people? What's your like go-to argument? When somebody comes at you with that, do you have one like in queue? Yeah, I mean, you know, I just think that it's so cool that, you know, basically every, almost every living creature on the earth um, has an endocannabinoid system, which is this like central physiological system in our bodies that basically regulates every other physiological system, like your nervous system and your digestive system and Every single system in your body is regulated by an endocannabinoid system. And cannabis literally has these cannabinoids that fit into those receptor sites in our body. And or if they don't fit into them, they interact with them directly. So it's like, I mean, how can you argue with that? It's yeah, like your body's we have almost primed for it. Co-evolved with this plant. And the reason that it really does cure everything from a hangnail to cancer for some people, not all. Um, is that it is like kind of nourishing this system that is really deficient um, due to like constraints of modern living a lot of times. Um, so it's like you can't argue with that science. You know what I mean? It's totally fascinating. There's still so much that we need to learn about it. But um, but we know that like that is a fact that it, it behaves, it interacts with our body in this really um, – kind of central important way you know so and it's not harmful right i think that's a big thing that some people still haven't wrapped their head around yeah you're not gonna overdose on CBD. for most people now i will i will I, you know i am the mother of a teenage son and um i've had a lot of conversations with parents around here and you know being in humble kids have a lot of exposure to cannabis it's just everywhere you yeah. know and teenagers are risk takers anyway um and there's actually a lot of data out there that suggests that too much THC can be really harmful for young people's underdeveloped brains and um i've seen it you know um play out multiple times with with young people that had kind of like psychological breakdowns because um, now, they may have been predisposed, um, but there's a lot of data coming in that suggests that it can be harmful for young people. So I do worry about making a statement where it's just a blanket statement, like this is not harmful. Now, you're not going to overdose. That's the nice thing. Um, you're not going to stop breathing like you would with an opioid, you know, 
but um, it can be really harmful for mental health for some people. And so that's a really important conversation. Interestingly enough, though, there's a lot of data out there showing now that CBD is incredibly um, beneficial. And I mean, basically, like there's studies that show that it's just as effective as antidepressant, um, anti like psychotic medications. Um with none of the harmful side effects that are, you know, common with the medications. So I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not just a simple conversation, like it's good for everybody. It's like, um, you know, different strains are better for certain people and different ratios of CBD to THC is, that's a really important thing to pay attention to. You really have to look at like, why is it that you're consuming cannabis, you know, and, and what is the best fit for you? And that could take time for people for sure. I do want to touch on, cause I've heard what you were just talking about, about people experiencing these psychological breaks. I've heard about that, but my understanding, and I could be totally wrong cause I've done very little research on that, but I, I have passed that. And from my understanding, it was that they're not sure if that's directly related to the THC or if they were predisposed like they were already on the path to maybe having um some mental health ailments and then that just tipped them triggered it yeah mm -hmm. do you know anything you about know that? i mean from, from my understanding it's still pretty new I right think like it's they're still inconclusive yeah. yeah but i think that that's true like a, with like a lot of recreational drugs like there are a number of them that can cause or you know that's that's the big question like does it cause the you know mental imbalance or does it if somebody's already like genetically predisposed, does it push them in that direction? And I don't think we really have a definitive answer about that. But I think that it's important to look at THC as another potential, you know, exacerbator of mental health imbalances for as particularly for young people. Yeah. Yeah. They're more susceptible. Yeah, they are. They just their brains are not developed yet, you know? Yeah, it seems like that's just across the board with everything. Like, yeah. if you're a kid, you shouldn't be drinking alcohol. You shouldn't be you shouldn't, drinking there's alcohol. There's a lot that yes. kind of just slips under the radar that, as a society, we've kind of just become comfortable with it. Definitely. They're just going to, and they're, you know, kids are they're, are sneaky. I mean, they're going to, you know, they, they like taking risks. It's part of their brain chemistry. Well, you feel invincible when you're a kid. Yeah, yeah. and, you know, I mean, they they get away with all kinds of things because, you know, they're they're sneaky like that. Having that talk with your kid was that hard where you are prominent in this industry yeah you know it's i guess like the way that i like the products that i create um probably aren't that interesting to my 17 year old son yeah he's probably not going to go grab a tincture and just not so much hang out. i mean i i think he thinks it's you know i mean he's watched me build this business you know and so i think he admires that but um yeah, I don't, it's, it's not something that's like desirable to him per se, you know, mm -hmm. but yeah, we've, we've had a lot of conversations about cannabis and, and mostly, I mean, he knows how much I love the plant, you know, and, um, I, you just have had to really emphasize, um, the importance of, um, you know, taking time to let your brain develop because I really think that's so important, you know? Um, yeah, it's crazy how one small factor like THC being introduced in your system has a rolling effect when you're a kid. And it's not just THC. I was watching or listening to a podcast the other day about all the microplastics that are in our environment now and all the petrochemicals that are out. 
and how that is having a tangible effect on children and like sperm count in men and testosterone in men and women. And it's all decreasing by yeah. like a significant amount just because it's in the environment. Animals are eating it. We're eating the animals. We're eating fruits and vegetables that are grown with petrochemicals on them. And that's in our system. It and like really if, is. if you took a urine sample and sent it out, they would be able to track how much you have in your system at any given time. Yeah. And it's crazy. It is crazy. It's insane. I know none of us are pure anymore. We've all been heavily, I don't know, soiled by modern yeah. industrial society any way around it. Yeah. What we're doing is is crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. It when is you crazy. Think about it. it really yeah. is. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know how you fix that. That's a whole other issue, but... Small steps. Just one foot in front of the other. Yeah. You, know? you got to do something. Because yeah. doing nothing is not working out for us. Yeah. And it's it's tricky. It's like, do you, um, you know, donate to good good organizations that are doing, you know, good, good work on the ground? Um, I think so much of, you know, good um, activism where you're really going to see change is like in your own community doing like grassroots stuff, you know, whether it's going around and doing like a beach cleanup or supporting like the local environmental organizations that are, you know, fighting to keep our little beautiful neck of the woods, you know, clean and, um, you know, supporting restoration projects and that kind of a thing. Yeah, because it's it's so easy to get overwhelmed by, you know, the state of the world right now. It's it's pretty heavy. And yeah, and there's there's a lot of fixing that needs to be done. So I don't know. I just think like one step at a time, we got to we got to start moving forward and, yeah, moving past the whole era of fossil fuels. I think that's a major part of it. Like, what if we made plastics out of hemp, right? I was just going to ask. Have yeah. you looked into that at all? I mean, Do guys... I, I don't know enough about it. I think it's a really cool concept. I mean, my understanding was that, you know, Henry Ford had like a prototype for like a hemp composite plastic back, you know, at like the turn of the century, basically, when he was like making his early model t fords or whatever so i mean there are probably a lot of other people in this community that know a lot more about it but it seems totally feasible like it's it's been done right so why we aren't using that is um crazy yeah it is it's crazy to think where we would be if we hadn't come up with plastic and instead just used hemp i know like right? where would we be right now with that right we wouldn't have all this plastic in the oceans yeah, no, we wouldn't. I know we really created kind of a, a mess for ourselves. And hemp is so versatile. That's the crazy thing. You can make clothes out of it. You can make plastic out of it. You can make paper out of it. Rope. Rope. Yeah. I mean, it's a it's an invaluable resource that we haven't really tapped into yet. It's true. The other really neat thing about it is that it's like a um, bioaccumulator. So it or bioremediates the soils. So it actually does pull heavy metals and, you know, pesticide residues and things like that out of um, the soil. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so it can be used to remediate contaminated soils. Wow. Yeah, I know. And, you know, one thing that has been a really fascinating kind of exploration with um, legalization and like the compliance frame framework in California is that... Um, for cannabis, like our um, compliance testing is so rigorous. Like if you look at like the list of pesticides that are tested for, you know, it's 
probably one of the most um, you know rigorous states for testing in the country. I mean, probably in the world even. And, um, you know, it gives you so much feedback information about like what's in the soil, you know, and um, I think uh, pesticides that may have been previously thought of as sort of harmless, they might even be like OMRI listed that, you know, suggests like they're safe for organic and non-toxic. Um, sometimes those contain pesticides. They're not very well regulated that 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 whole pesticide industry isn't. And so... I, I think it's given a lot of the farmers and manufacturers like a really important amount of feedback of like just how um, prevalent, you know, these different contaminants are in our soils and, you know, everywhere. And, and the same is true, like when you talk about the plastic residues, the same is true of pesticides, you know, like what what's the big one that... Um, glyphosate yeah and and you know like if they ran you know dna sample or whatever hair samples and blood samples we, we'd probably all have like this laundry list of different chemicals in our bodies you know so um i think um you know and it's been neat to watch farmers really have to shift and really focus on like building their topsoils and building resiliency to disease and to pests in other ways besides using pesticides um and I, I think it's a great model that can be applied to other agricultural industries. You know, like if we had that kind of information about what was in our food and, you know, what was in, you know, anything that we put in our bodies or on our bodies, um, it would really make us think twice, you know, because just just because something says certified organic, it doesn't, does, mean, it doesn't yeah. mean a lot, unfortunately, you know. It's crazy that you guys probably have more stringent testing. Way more. Than our food industry. Oh, yeah. And I can tell you, I mean, I, I we purchase, you know, certified organic ingredients all the time and have to test them and find them contaminated with pesticides. Sometimes pesticides that are like totally illegal, you know, oh, wow. and, and they're in there and it's certified organic. So, um, yeah. That happens a lot. Uh, no, I wouldn't say a lot, but it, it does happen, you know, and so we have to be super vigilant and make sure we test everything before we put it into our products even because, um, you know, you don't want to add a bunch of like expensive cannabis oil to all these other ingredients, put it through compliance testing, which costs a lot of money and then find out like, oh, you failed and now you've got to destroy this product, you know, all because batch. of the soil. Right. Yeah. Or because of what was sprayed on the crop. Yeah. Are you guys growing everything in-house or are you no. sourcing it? Okay. Yeah, we're sourcing it. So we work with um, sun-grown cannabis farmers just in Humboldt County, actually. And so, um, yeah, we're always like sourcing biomass from the farmers directly and or, um, you know, we work with a number of extractors in the community and um, procure really nice oil from them. So we're really fortunate to kind of be in the heart of the emerald triangle to yeah you, you guys know. are perfectly placed exactly yeah and it's it's fun to be able to work with friends that you know like i see the quality of their work you know and you know going out and visiting their farms and um their devotion to that and you know get get to purchase that from them and put it into my product like that is very rewarding yeah it's got to be a gratifying feeling oh yeah absolutely. especially if you're close with them you can be like oh hey we got your new strain in this exactly. it's gonna be great yeah that's nice yeah, that testing, that's, it's, it's crazy. 
It's all crazy. But the testing especially is crazy. On the one hand, I'm glad that they do that. I wish that they did that for everything. Though. Everything. That's the thing. I know. Here's another example. Like, you know, because they test for heavy metals and you, you know, there's a like, you know, low Allowable threshold yeah. for yeah, heavy metals. And heavy metals occur naturally in soils. So a little bit is not a big deal. But obviously you don't want like a high level of lead or arsenic in your, you know, in Wouldn't your product. Great. No, it's not ideal. So um this was another example, like when we first switched over where California started doing testing of heavy metals, we had sourced these bottles that were like um, USP, like, you know, it's like pharmacy grade bottles. You know, they had all of the um, certifications to, to be used for any kind of like pharmaceutical grade product. And um, I remember like we bottled up a batch and uh, sent it into the lab and it came back like chock full of lead. Oh. So, I mean, those those are the same bottles that people pharmacies are sourcing um, other like tincture companies that are making just herbal tinctures are sourcing and probably nobody's testing, you know, unless it gets pulled off for like a prop 65 test or something. Nobody's testing these things. So it's just crazy to me that it's you know everything is so unregulated and cannabis on like conversely is extremely regulated and you know it's a it's a pain point in a way but it's also extremely illuminating about all kinds of other industries as well do you think they're so stringent on marijuana just because of the past that it's had i think and that it's that's still federally illegal definitely a part of it for sure yeah. i think that Figuring out how to regulate a, a brand new industry is not an easy thing. And I think it's definitely overregulated. Like a lot of people in cannabis make the point that or the argument that like because there are so many regulations to supposedly like keep it out of, you know, children's hands and everything has to be child resistant. And, you know, um, and that's great and all, except that it creates a lot of waste and a lot of the cannabis packaging in California is really not very environmentally friendly. It's a lot of plastics that are not recyclable and just a lot of waste, you know, and which should we be more concerned? You know what I mean? Like kids could get into, I mean, alcohol is in child resistant bottles, right? Yeah. So how do we just as a society make responsible choices for our children and make sure that they don't have access to, you know, like the adult things that we keep in our houses? Um, is it really like the cost benefit analysis, like all the the plastic and waste that we're creating to adhere to these regulations is like, it's excessive, you know? Yeah, it's a lot of single use. A lot of single use. And you just use. throw it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then where does it go? Right. I don't know. I don't know how you combat that, though. Like, how do you push back? Because it is, it is still such a new industry to be legalized, you know? How you start how you get it more in line with the regulations, say, on alcohol, where it can just be sitting on a store shelf and it's not this taboo thing where, oh, you have to go to this specific place and it's all, it's like, it's almost like there's so much pressure on it that it's just, they're trying to discourage it mm -hmm. in a way. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really even cigarettes, have the answer they to only, that. They've only locked up cigarettes in the past few years, right? Yeah, I guess so, huh? They used to just be more they were just readily out. available. Yeah. Yeah. And alcohol just sits out. Alcohol, there are kids that steal bottles from Safeway all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know. You just walk in there. It's right there. You grab it and you walk out. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah, it will be interesting. I mean, I I think, again, there are people, policy people working really hard on this stuff. Um, Great folks that are like really driving this conversation forward in cannabis right here in our community. And I'm really not one of them. I mean, I I like to participate and support the causes that are important to me. But, you know, I, I can't give you um, you know, really solid answers about, you know, how that conversation is, you know, moving forward in terms of policy right now. Yeah, you've but, got bigger fish to fry. You're still well, working on the product. I don't know. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm just working on my little brand, you know, but, um, but it is, it's, you know, a really important conversation, like how to create packaging that is sustainable and, you know, build an industry that is sustainable. Like, is that even possible, right? I mean, it's sort of like the whole oxymoron of capitalism is like, it's not really sustainable, right? But um, I like to think that within cannabis, like we're, we're growing this plant that, you know, remediates the contaminants in the soil and, you know, um, nurtures us in a way that we really need in this modern era. Um, it'd be nice to know that the way that it was packaged and, you know, shared was, you know, more sustainable for the planet. Yeah, that would be a good thing. At least use hemp plastic yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're already in that niche. Why not just exactly? But try I, to you make know, I wish turn. hemp plastic was readily available. I've yeah, seen I don't even some know cool where you would things. get it. Yeah, like um, there are some companies that are making plastic out of like the ocean plastic now, which is great, you know. Um, and some, yeah, like composites with other plants. I have seen that, but not. I haven't seen any hemp plastic. But I'm gonna look out for that because yeah. that that would be a good product to. The coolest thing that I've seen is, you know, like the pit in an avocado. Mm -hmm. They've made straws out of that, which is pretty cool. It holds up better than like the paper straws, Uh Um, but it's environmentally friendly. It decomposes and it's all out of that little seed. Yeah. I hope that in our lifetime, we get to a point where that's not novel. Like it's just everything is made from compostable, biodegradable things. That would make a lot more sense. I think we will. I think we have to. I think we have to. Yeah. I don't think it's a choice. I think it's when enough people will wake up and realize, oh, this is not sustainable. Yeah. Like, which I think it's coming. I think so, too. I think it's coming. Yeah. And, you know, it's tough on the consumer end, right? Because I don't know how much you change policy. I mean, I definitely think, like, where you spend your dollars has an impact, um, you know, on, you know, what's available. But I think it needs to come from, like, regulating um, polluters and regulating, you know, manufacturers of... Um, products and materials that are just entirely unsustainable like it just makes no sense anymore so hopefully you know um i don't know maybe with this new president you know some some good things will start to take place i know he's got they've got lofty ambitions so we'll see yeah we'll see what they hit yeah how far they can go i know you only get so far in a in a term anyway so but hopefully things are headed in a good direction yeah, fingers crossed. I know. Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, so your tinctures, how do you make them? Yeah. Because I don't understand that process at all. Okay, yeah. Well, I, I think probably the most interesting tinctures that we make are are like alcohol-based tinctures. Um, and again, like a tincture, like the true definition of a tincture is actually like an alcohol base. Any herbalist that you talk to knows that. But in cannabis, most tinctures are actually made with like a coconut MCT oil base or like an olive oil base. Those are really common ones. Um, and we actually have a line that is, I think it's unique. Like it's the one alcohol tincture line in cannabis in California right now. 
I could be wrong. There might be another small brand out there doing it. But um, so basically with those, what we do is we start with like um, the er the herbs that we're going to use to tincture, right? And we basically mass, like we soak those herbs in big containers that um, in a mix of like organic cane alcohol and water. And we let those sit for several weeks. And then we have a big press that we use to separate out like the herb material from the liquid. And then that's your, your herbal tincture base. And we actually mix that with um, organic honey to kind of like soften the flavor and not make it so extreme. And then we fold in cannabis oil into that. And um, that's how we make our tinctures. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, I should make a little video. That would be really cool. Because yeah. Because it's kind of hard probably to visualize that process. Yeah. But... Well, you explained it very well. I didn't realize I, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah, you should do that would be really cool to like put up on your website. Yeah. Or even on YouTube I, or I think something. People would like that. Yeah. I'll have to work on that. So is there a reason that tinctures are traditionally used with an alcohol base? Is that just because it's easier to extract? It's a really good solvent. Okay. Um, yeah. So it extracts really like it's considered a bipolar solvent. So meaning it will extract out water soluble um, compounds from the plant as well as fat soluble compounds. So that's pretty neat. It's, it's a unique property of alcohol. Um, and then the other thing about it is that it partially bypasses your digestive tract. So you like you absorb it into your bloodstream a lot faster just by the nature of alcohol metabolizing, you know, and it's, it's a great carrier. So are you, are you tasting the alcohol in the tincture? Or you no? do. Okay. Yeah, you do. And so I, I do tell a lot of people, it's not like a sublingual where you want to hold it under your tongue. It's not a super pleasant taste. Um, and so that's sometimes hard to convince people like, well, why would I take, it's not a gummy or a chocolate, but, um, I think the effect that they like the experience in your body with the other medicinal plants in there is just really different and unique. Um, and so that's the real benefit. And so, you know, you can put it in tea, you can put it like a lot of times I'll just put it in like a little bit of water and wash it back. And, you know, like one milliliter, which would be like a dropper full is about one dose for most people. And, you know, if you put that into like a hot cup of tea, you're going to steam off most of the alcohol anyway, and it's going to be fairly insignificant you know what is your go-to are you like a one-to-one or hmm do you have a favorite or you kind of mix them up it varies actually um my go-to we have this formula called calm that's just like really good for your nervous system and um that's a three to one okay and I, i like that one a lot and then um yeah i like i like a one to one but yeah, I seem to kind of go back and forth. I'm really into our tablets these days too, which are all THC. So I kind of like oscillate between the three to one and the THC, I think these days. What about you? What's your go-to? Um, I I like a high dose. of. I've been doing a high dose of CBD lately mm-hmm. just because life's crazy and yeah. it's just nice to be calm every now and then. It you really know? is. Um, for people that don't know... Uh, like a one-to-one would be one milligram of CBD to one milligram of THC. Mm-hmm. And you guys go all the way up to 20 to one? Yes. I think it's your mm-hmm. And that's, okay. Yeah. Okay, wow. And that's a really nice one. I like a 20 to one a lot because it's, um you really don't feel any um, mental effects, I would say. It's just uh, very relaxing to your body. I guess the mental effects are, it can be really, really good for anxiety, but you don't even... 
you don't notice any kind of psychoactivity and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm just not so worried about everything anymore. I can sort of relax. Yeah. I have a lot of friends that love CBD because of that. They yeah. have anxiety disorders and it inhibits their life in a lot of ways. And then they take CBD and it's like, I'm, I get to be me. Like I can go out in social settings and not be stressed out and not be worried all the time. It's just. That's so great. It's a it's a really weird plant. It's a really weird plant <laughs> yeah. when you sit down and actually think about what it can do. Yeah. It's a smart plant, you know. I think it, it, it figured out a really long time ago how, you know, to get us to work for it and to keep cultivating it around the world and sharing the genetics. That's and, a good way to put it. Yeah. We work for it. I mean, I really do believe that, right? So um, it figured out that we... I mean, you know, it's it's just evolution. I guess you can't say that it like consciously figured out, but it at some point developed these cannabinoids that like literally we need, you know, um, to keep our bodies in balance. And so um, it's a smart plant for sure. Yeah, that's crazy. That's the way you put it is crazy because I mean, that's everything is trying to reproduce to pass on its genetics. Yeah. And if we're that medium that makes it happen faster. Right. In a better way. Exactly. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We, we like, um, you know, cultivate the fields and fertilize them and water them. And we just completely cater to this plant that, you know, helps us. And so it's a really symbiotic relationship. And it's it's interesting. I mean, some of the most successful plants in history that, we you know, have been around the longest for us. Right. They sort of got our number like they, they taste good or they help us in some way. And we in turn, you know, keep tending to them. Yeah, it's like ayahuasca, where it's just, it's almost ingrained in in the human life. It's just been around for so long. Yeah. It's a crazy thing. I think they, I might butcher this. I want to say that they have found, oh, I, I want to say it was with the Romans, and they found like alcohol mixed with ayahuasca or something really? crazy like that. Some mixture that even back then they were they were just using mm -hmm. that it was just a staple in their society and in their culture it was just a part of what of what they did yeah i mean i think humans have a natural affinity for uh, mind-altering substances clearly right mm -hmm. there's a lot of them that we've turned to um globally you know and uh so yeah it's interesting and it's weird that we've only recently started to demonize a lot of these mm -hmm. plants yeah like that hasn't that hasn't been the occurrence for a majority of history. Right. It's yeah. only been the past 100, 200 years. Yeah. What is all that all about? I, I mean, what's your take on that? I think it has a lot to do with other industries, right? Mm -hmm. So I would argue that the plastic industry is probably a big reason why hemp isn't as big as it should be. Tobacco. I don't think that they were happy with marijuana popping up. Well, actually, marijuana. They're, they're all jumping in now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're buying up vast amounts of land they're trying to hop on the bandwagon for oh, yeah. sure but do you know about william randolph Hur william randolph hearst in the hearst castle tell me he was a guy this is my understanding we'll we'll see what you think he was a guy a very rich guy who was in the newspaper business got into films and stuff and back while hemp was still legal they had found a way to turn it into paper and it was an expensive process, but they were saying it was going to replace paper mills and the paper production systems that were in place. And this guy didn't want to go through with that because he was already set up. He already had all the equipment to produce paper, how it is produced with trees and stuff. 
And so he started running campaigns against marijuana. Reefer Madness, mm-hmm. that was his movie. Mm-hmm. Like all of that comes from this one guy. That whole campaign against marijuana and against hemp all stemmed from William Randolph Hearst. Yeah. And his I, campaign against marijuana. And I've heard there were other players involved There's a too. woman too, and I can't think of her name, who was kind of similar to that. Yeah. Well, there were a number of different um, families in the United States. I, th- I remember reading this in the People's History of the United States, where um, basically, I think... Like what I remember reading is that there are a number of big families, I think the Rockefellers maybe, uh, that had invested into hardwood forests like in the tropics. And they didn't really know how to um, turn that into like an, an industry, right, um, in terms of like moving the product globally. Um, so my understanding is that there was a lot of like lobbying pressure coming from these families to shut out hemp specifically because they had invested into these other, you know, industries with, you know, timber, um, and they wanted to turn that into paper, which, I mean, if you think about it now, like, what a complete travesty to turn a hardwood forest in the tropics into paper, when we have so many, like, renewable resources that we could do that with, you know? Yeah, but same line of thinking. It's this group of people, for whatever reasons, right, that pushes back against something that's not profitable for them. Right. And we are where we are today. Yes. That's that same that same track. I think that's what we see a lot with the pharmaceutical industry too and the pushback on using marijuana for medical reasons or CBD for medical reasons. I think it all stems from that. Yeah. And people don't I mean, most people don't have the time to do their own research. Right. It's a big problem. It's true. If you have a job and you've got kids and you've got a life, you don't have time to comb through, you know, journals going over the research of the benefits of CBD or the benefits of this strain of marijuana. Like, you you just don't have the time. No. And so many people don't really have access to good quality stuff either, mm-hmm. you know. So it's back to like there's there's not a lot of quality control in place for CBD products. I mean, in California, we're really lucky. Like if you walk into a dispensary in California that's licensed because there's a lot of unlicensed ones, too, um, you know that like what, you know, the label says the product is like that's what you're getting, you know, and um, that really counts for a lot, you know, but there are so many products out there. The FDA is not regulating hemp yet. There are just a lot of hemp CBD products that are kind of inert, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it is tough to do your research. And I always recommend, like, if people are buying a hemp CBD product, ask for the COA. It's the Certificate of Analysis. And it's it's the testing that speaks to what's actually in the product, you know? And, it, and any good manufacturer of a product or farmer that's cultivating the hemp that you're buying um, you know, they should do testing and you should be able to see that to make sure that it is what it says it is and that you want to buy it. Yeah, I think that's one of the cool things not to plug your website, but on your website is you guys have the testing. You also have some academic journals where people can go and check out the research. I thought that was pretty cool. You don't actually often see that. Yeah, we anywhere. I mean, we, we try to be super transparent about our products. We like our real... Um, joy that we derive from this is being able to work with people that are really sick, you know, that are really benefiting from cannabis. Um, and like when we get somebody saying like my doctor recommended, you know, your product to me, like that makes my heart sing, you know? So, um, I, I just, you know, I want people to, 
you know, know that we have good products. I want to be super transparent about that. And, you know, my, my whole take is I, I'm, I'm very grateful that if I were to get, you know, hit by a Mack truck tomorrow on the 101 or, you know, got some terrible infection, like I could go to the hospital, I could get antibiotics and I could get painkillers and I would be okay. Like I, I would, that makes me feel really good. <laughs> but um, at the same time, I think that so many people, um, have a hard time, you know, just managing their imbalances with pharmaceuticals because that's not really what they were created for. You know, they're really created to um, treat like very, you know, avert symptoms. Um, but in terms of like vibrant health, I talk about that a lot and sort of like um, maintaining a level of wellness. Um, you know, plant medicine is just amazing for for doing that. And most people don't realize that. And it, it's also a whole suite of, you know, lifestyle choices that, you know, diet is very important, exercise um, and plant medicine. And um, so I, I like to try to get that information out to people and try to empower them to, you know, be good stewards of their own bodies and, and figure out how to kind of like reclaim their wellness, you know, because it's, it's just an epidemic. You know, so many people are on you know, all kinds of pharmaceuticals to, to try to manage, you know, a lot of different um, complaints. And, and a lot of times they don't really get the results that are, that are satisfying to them anyway. You know, there's a lot of side effects and, you know, you can get addicted to these different substances and dependent on them. So um, that's really kind of my angle. You know, it's, it's not even so much about selling my products. I mean, you know, of course I want to sell products, but it's about, you know, really trying to empower people to take charge of their health. You can tell that this isn't just a business for you. Like no, this is it's, a passion. It's a total passion. And it just happens to co to yeah. coexist with you making money. Yeah, for sure. And it sustainability. Does. In fact, there's a lot of times when like my business partner and I like tease like, yeah, we really could have probably built a business that was much more successful financially right off the bat. Because um, there's a lot of things that sell a lot more than, you know, herbal cannabis tinctures. But it really is. It's a, it's a labor of love. It's a, it's a passion project for us. It's something that we really believe in. And so, um, yeah, it, it, you know, sustains us, um, on like a passion project level that is, you know, fulfilling. Now, when you say vibrant life, do you mean like a more holistic? Life? Yeah, just, okay. you know, I, I think of it, you know, and I, I try to be careful with the word like vibrant, uh, vibrant health. I think like when you're, when you're really feeling, you know, good in your body, you know, and like, that's a, that's a conscious choice, you know, that takes work and it takes educating yourself, you know, and I, I do, I've been thinking about that term because I, I don't want to be exclusive. Like a lot of people are dealing with chronic pain and, you know, mental health issues that are, you know, sometimes genetic, sometimes they have like an autoimmune disease and, um, it's fine and great and all for, you know, some some girl with her cannabis company to be talking about vibrant health for everybody. But it's it's obviously more complicated than that. So I think it's sort of like a it's relative to like the individual and what their specific challenges are. But I think it's just about, you know, um, making the choices that are like within your control to um strive to just feel better in your body, you know, um, and, and just just small changes, you know, whether it's like taking, taking a walk in the morning or, you know, incorporating, you know, a, a little bit more like fruits and vegetables into your diet or, you know, just little things make a really big difference, you know, um, finding, finding ways to use plants to, you know, maintain the balance of your health, whether it's, 
um, you know, helping you get a good night's sleep or helping you digest your food better or manage your stress and anxiety. I mean, they're, I mean, plants are amazing allies that way. We've really co-evolved with these plants uh, for, you know, what, hundreds of thousands of years. Uh, so, you know, um, yeah, they, they, they're very effective for a lot of different, you know, human complaints. Yeah, I didn't really realize that. And I still, I can't grasp the full magnitude of that. But it kind of opened the door for me when I started using, um, oh God, what are the, what is the name for it? Um, you know, you put it in like a diffuse, why can't I think of it? Oh, the essential oils. Essential oils. Uh-huh. Yeah, essential yeah. oils. And then I was like, okay, this is interesting because I have like allergies sometimes during the summer and stuff. And so I'll use that and it, it got me off allergy medication. I was like, okay, maybe oh. there's something to this. Maybe we should start looking into more plant-based things. Mm-hmm. Not to go off on like we shouldn't be eating meat because that's that's out of my realm. Right. I love meat. Like I can't <laughs> do that. But yeah. healthy lifestyles I think is something we can all appreciate. Yes, absolutely. Especially now. I think people are starting to realize you don't have to go work out to be shredded, but you should go work out just to be healthy so that your quality of life improves. You don't absolutely. have to eat mcdonald's 24 7 maybe grab a salad you know these things have tangible effects on just day-to-day life i don't think people realize how much better you will feel if you just put in a tiny amount of work on you true yeah Yeah. and it's easy i think for people to feel discouraged like because they can't they think they can't afford to eat like that or something but it's as simple as like yeah i mean you could eat beans and rice for pennies on the dollar and which is way better than mcdonald's yeah anything for sure. on that menu yeah and you know it's just um i mean i i get to, it's, it's it's a socioeconomic divide you know for a lot of people a lot of people that are just living hand to mouth and just getting by you know tend to probably swing more toward fast food and feeling like that's out of their reach. But I I really do think that there are economical ways, you know, you don't have to join a fancy gym, right? You can right here, we're just so lucky, we can just go hike off into the redwoods. And and that's great exercise, right? And it totally changes your entire perspective, like wake up half an hour early and go take a walk. And um, yeah, find ways to incorporate um, these little, you know, I don't know, just healthy tidbits into your life. Um, and, and interestingly enough, like from a scientific perspective, um, exercise and a lot of like um, leafy greens and kind of aromatic pungent spices actually um, nourish our endocannabinoid systems as well. They fit into the receptors as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't and know so that. It's, a, it's a whole body practice that's not just cannabis based. Cannabis is really like packs a big punch that way. But um, yeah, just just eating a diet rich in leafy greens and um, essential fatty acids. And um, like I said, the, the spices and the aromatics, yeah, you're really nurturing and supporting your endocannabinoid system. And exercise does that as well. So it's pretty taking cool. taking vitamins. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big thing that people are slowly waking up to is that you're not getting everything you need from your diet alone. You should supplement with vitamin D, with, you know, with all of it, really, with all of it. Take a multivitamin. Yeah. I mean, take some fish oil. Right. Yeah. I don't think that that's being as as pushed as it probably should be. Yeah. And I wonder, I mean, if we all just ate out of our gardens and, you know, built our topsoils and had, um, you know, really... Um, more of like an ecosystem that we were tending to versus like 
the industrial state of agriculture. You know, I think that's where we get really um, devoid of nutrients in our food and why we have to supplement with multivitamins. Because you look at our ancestors, like they weren't taking multivitamins, you know, where did we go so astray? I think, um, you know, getting back to that whole concept of sustainability and, you know, resilience in the way we grow our food. Um, I, you know, the, the, con- the nutritional content of your food is vastly increased by, you know, um, ad- adopting those kinds of strategies. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. mean, they say that the nutritional value of like fruits and vegetables today that are mass produced and like these monocrop agricultural farms, it's significantly less than what it was even 50 years ago. Yeah. Significantly less. Yeah. Which, how crazy is that? That the food that you're we're eating today has is way less nourishing than the food that our grandparents ate. Right. And nobody wants to talk. I feel like a hippie or I feel like very like earthy <laughs> getting into this, but it's like, yeah. it's true. No, it is and really And people true. should talk about it because it is, yeah, it sounds hippie dippy or whatever. And it's, no, but there's oh, good science behind yeah, it, right? That's the thing. You know? So, and if people don't start putting that out there of, Hey, we need to break the stigma. Maybe having a garden in your backyard is not, yeah, maybe that's not what you would want. Maybe you want like a basketball court in your backyard. I don't know. But yeah, a garden's going to be more beneficial. Yeah. Or then, you know, if you don't have it in your yard, maybe you like uh, join a CSA yeah. or go, yeah, be part of the community garden. Do something. Yeah. It definitely makes a difference. It's really kind of fascinating. I mean, the other thing that I've gotten really interested in is this whole concept of like, um, you know, like the gut microbiome. I've been trying to get into it. It's there's a lot. There's a, there's lot. a lot to unpack there. Yeah, and it kind of freaks me out. Does it? Yeah, <laughs> all it's those like, little microorganisms that. Not that, but I mean, as somebody who does occasionally eat in and out because it's oh, good, yeah. like it's not gonna it worries you. me. Like when you throw your body out of whack like that, like trying to get it. I feel like we're training. Back. Like we kind of have to be mutants in this modern era. Like we don't want to be like too pure and clean or you know we're gonna just get taken out i don't yeah, know <laughs> natural selection's gonna come yeah, you know like you're in and out burger that's like a little boot camp training you know you well i think you need it to... like mentally too you yeah. need a break every now yeah, you can't just... just eat healthy 24 7 that no, would be so I boring mean, it is, yeah you gotta have a sense of humor about everything i think because if you take anything too seriously and you know too absolute like you're just gonna be really stressed out and miserable all the time so you know i think balance. that's like balanced yeah balance. for sure so what have you what have you looked into with that? Well, so I mean, what they're finding now is that um, you know imbalances in like the gut microbiome are causing all kinds of health problems, right? And they're actually linking um, autism with um, an imbalance in the gut microbiome, like certain really? bacteria that are just missing. And interestingly enough, um, they are the same bacteria that are missing from um, commercial, like industrial agriculture. Like there's an absolute link there that when we take in, you know, food, uh, fruits and vegetables um, that have been grown in soil, those microbes that, you know, are, are from that soil are basically like being, you know, they're inoculating our gut microbiome. And so that is you know, the theory about why, um, you know, some of the modern diseases, um, including endocannabinoid system deficiencies are arising is that we are not nourishing our gut microbiome at all, you know, and um, it's causing all kinds of disease for humans. That is crazy. Yeah, it's pretty that is wild. crazy. Yeah, 
It really is. And the cool thing is also that um, cannabis can be so anti-inflammatory and it can actually um, sort of help um, using it regularly can help. Um, I think I'm trying to think of the right way to say this, like uh, lend like an, an environment for certain microbes that that should be in your gut microbiome it can create a more beneficial, advantageous environment for those organisms to thrive. So it, it truly is like extremely healing from um, the point of um, being very anti-inflammatory to your entire body and um, also helping to heal that um, imbalance in the gut microbiome. Is that a CBD benefit or a THC? Or? I think it's a whole plant benefit. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. But they have done studies that specifically linked THC to it, you know. Uh, but but it's, you know, like any study, I mean, that that's what I love about plant medicine is, I mean, I'm like an, an absolute like lover of science in general, but also I think why I especially love plant medicine is like there's science there to kind of validate and confirm, you know, the benefits of it, but also it's kind of this great mystery because it's it's really a lot more complex than like um, a pharmaceutical drug where you have like a particular constituent that you know has this action physiologically in the body. Plant medicine, like there's this there's this synergy going on where you have all of these different compounds within the plant that are working together, and they're also um, the you know the the amount of you know interactions that they're having with your body. It's just so complicated, you know? So it sort of brings, it's like, it's not easy to distill down the action of one plant and say, this is why this works because there's so many different compounds in there, you know, that are orchestrating. I just find that fascinating. You know, I love that science exists and that we use it to our benefit in so many ways. And I love that there are still mysteries that kind of go beyond science that you know, we can like assimilate and, and use to our advantage in our lives. And we don't need to rationally understand, you know, every component of them. They just, you know, anecdotally, like they work. There's this huge body of evidence. People have been using plants for food and medicine for, you know, since the Start beginning of our existence, yeah. right? So, yeah, it's neat. The inflammation thing is crazy. That's another reason why. I think CBD especially is great because so many people struggle with inflammation and they don't even realize that's that's the problem. And a lot of that ties back into what they're eating for food. Yeah. Like rice, breads, all this inflammatory sugar, sugar alcohol, sugar. So many of the it's crazy that how much sugar love. is in everything. Yeah. It's in everything. Yeah. I was I had hot sauce the other day and there was sugar in it. And hmm. I was like, why are we putting sugar in hot sauce? When did that work? Right. I mean and all that goes back to inflammation. Yeah, it does. And it hurts your quality of life. I know. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. Um, yeah, so so back to just empowering people to take charge of their own health. Can you imagine, like, the reduction in medical costs if people just decided that they wanted to, you know, work on being healthier and, you know, like, prioritizing their diet and taking care of themselves instead crazy. of just taking medications for everything? Yeah, it would be a whole different world. Yeah, if you if people just put in a, a the like a slight amount of effort, it would it would radically increase all of that. We would be so much better off. Heart disease would go down, diabetes would go down. People wouldn't be dependent on these pills anymore for 
issues that really could be replaced in a lot of areas by plant medicine. Yeah, and I, I think that's true of mental health, too. I mean, there there's so in little that we know about um, the, the link between, you know, physical health and mental health. Oh, yeah. But I think, oh, yeah. you know, like diet plays a huge role in stabilizing your mental health. Exercise. You know, exercise is huge. And so, um, yeah, it's also connected. And, uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, more people catch on that it's just it's just as gratifying to, you know, take charge of your own health and, and to feel good in your body and Absolutely. to know how to maintain the imbalances because we all have them, right? But Now, do you know anything about the correlation between THC and CBD and, and mental health specifically? Because I've heard a lot of research that says, oh, it, it does help. And then I've heard other research that says it doesn't help. <laughs> I it mean, seems like it's still murky. Yeah. Murky. I mean, I just did a bunch of research because I just um, put out like a blog post that can be found on my website, humbledapothecary.com. And um, I was looking at some of the like peer reviewed data about um, cannabis for, you know, and the effects of mental health. And that goes back to what we were talking about before. Um, you know, and, and this is what I recommend, like people that have mood disorders or high anxiety, um, those, those kinds of things can be exacerbated by THC. So uh, for those people, you know, now that's not true of every case. And um, that's the other thing about plant medicine and cannabis is that everybody really has like a unique response to it. So you can't make like a blanket statement and there's one formula that works for everybody the same way. But in general, CBD is really good for kind of like helping to stabilize mental health. It does not exacerbate psychosis or anxiety or... Um, you know, a lot of the like depression. Um, however, THC really can, um, it can be helpful too. I mean, I, I know a lot of people that manage their anxiety and their depression with, with cannabis and they like a high THC. So that's where it's like, everybody's body chemistry is a little different, but I would always send somebody in the direction of like a high CBD product to start with. If you're, if you're looking to focus on mental health. And go from there, you know, and that's like uh, we offer, you know, this kind of wide range of different um, ratio products. Like we've got a 20 to one and we've got an eight to one and we've got a four to one and we've got a one to one and we've got an all THC. And the reason for that is because everybody, you know, just their bodies respond so differently to it that it's nice to have a range. And, you know, you might start with like a 20 to one product and that is your jam that's really working for you. And over time you know, you may need to adjust that. And that's, I've spoken with doctors that have said that about their, their patients, like, you know, for a seizure patient, for instance, you know, cannabis can be super effective for people with seizures. Um, but a lot of times they have to like adjust their dose. They have to adjust the ratio. And it's sort of like a constant process of sort of, um, getting feedback about, you know, what's working, what's not, and, and making changes to try to address that. Yeah, it's not a one size fits all. No, like not said. at all. You got to yeah. do a little experimenting with it to see what's going to be right. Yeah, and for I, where you I mean, are. I think eventually where this is all headed is that um, we're going to have probably really sophisticated testing about our endocannabinoid systems and which, like, where we're out of balance, because um, you know you can have like a, a deficiency in your endocannabinoid system, but you can also push like you can have an excess, like you can use too much cannabis and push your body out of balance that way. So if you just had like a little like blood test or something and you could figure out what was deficient and know which strain, you know, which terpenes, uh, what CBD, THC range is really going to be the most suitable for you, that would make it easy. 
Can you build up a tolerance to CBD like you can THC? Yeah, that's a really good question, isn't it? Um, and I don't have an answer for you. Yeah, I've never, I, I haven't heard anything about that. Yeah. That just kind of popped into my head, but I don't, I've never heard of anybody anecdotally having that happen or reading about it anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like it would make sense. Mm hmm. But maybe not. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. That would be a good question for a doctor that works with, you know, like yeah. patients that are consuming a lot of cannabis, a lot of CBD or THC. Yeah, I'm sure it would still have its, I would want to, I would assume that it would still provide the same benefits. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That's a question I'm going to have to do some research on, I guess. <laughs> yeah. um, so do you use your products a lot? Are yes. You, is that I like do. your go-to product? It is. Your it product? is yeah. yeah. Okay. And I, I try to um, use other people's products. I, I like to like support local folks. I feel um, like it'd be hard because you know what's going in yours. So you know it's yeah, clean. It's and it's good. just, it's there. It's really, you know, I, yeah. Um, yeah. I love my products. I love um, Space Gem, the little gumdrops, the magical gumdrops that um, it's a local women-owned business and they are the most amazing um, cannabis edibles. Huge fan space of those. Gems. Yes, space gems. You have huh. to try them. They're incredible. Okay. Space gems. <laughs> oh, they're so I've good. Not heard of that. Yeah, and she's got a one-to-one and then like an all THC, and they're these all natural gumdrops that are just like a flavor explosion in your mouth. And they're made using um, ice hash. So what is ice hash? Um, it's just it's hash made from Basically, you use ice and cold water to cleave off like the the crystals on the cannabis from the rest of the plant. And then the cool thing about that is it's entirely solventless and, you know, you get this whole range of different cannabinoids and terpenes in there. Um, and it's really like a it's a different kind of experience than um, a concentrate, even though it's, it is a concentrate, it's a solventless concentrate. You get just more like a a whole plant kind of effect in your body where it's, um, you know, there's the psychoactivity component. Um, but then there's also this sort of like whole body kind of buzz that you get going on. It's really good for, um, pain and inflammation too. Huh. So yeah, I'm a big fan of those. Um, and I actually, I have to plug for our solventless tablets because, uh, those are really cool too. And it's the same thing. It's, we're actually working with this, um, He's a professor that he he was at Purdue University for years, and he developed this technology called fractalization that is essentially he he used it. Um, he got this grant from the UN to get um, these like food pellets, basically that were derived from like you take the remains of fish carcass and dry it, and then fractalize it, which would turn it into this fine powder, and then kind of turn it into pellets. And um, he could get that anywhere in the world really easily to like food insecure, very remote third world countries. Um, so he used that technology and is applying it with cannabis. And it basically uses this immense amount of pressure to like implode the flower. So you take like whole flower, no trimming, no processing and just implode it. And it, and it turns it into this fine powder and then oh, that's crazy. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we mix that in with like other tablet ingredients to create like a fast acting whole plant solventless tablet. And I'm really into those these days for the same kind of a reason. The effect in your body is just um, it's magical. It just feels really nice. So that's crazy. Yeah, it's it's neat. I should have brought you some of these. Wow. things. I'm sorry that I fractalization. Didn't. I don't think I've ever. Heard... No, no problem. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard of that. That's. 
That's insane. And then so you don't have to use any solvents. You don't have to use any chemicals to extract it. It's all... It's just That's like the most natural way to go. Yeah. And he claims that his whole process... Uh, yeah, there's no grinding. There's no heat. Um, he claims that his process actually sort of cleaves the the plant along the cell walls so that like the contents of the cells are kept largely intact even though you're breaking the plant up into this fine powder so you're not losing anything you're not losing anything you're 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 not like you're preserving you're preventing like free radical damage in the plant so it's it's not oxidizing as fast over time and you know he's got these um you know, for his whole pitch, like he'll let you smell like, oh, I fractalized this flower a year ago and you smell it and it's still this like vibrant green and it smells like you smell all the terpenes and it's like it just came out of the field yesterday. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty neat. How is he, how is he imploding? Is it like a pressure? It's pressure. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And it's super proprietary. Like he won't even let me see his He's keeping it under wraps. Super under wraps. Yeah. That's great. And you probably don't lose any potency that way. No. Wow. Yeah. It's neat. That is crazy. Yeah. It's it's kind of fun. So yeah, I, I, he's he's um getting his product out there and there's a couple small brands using it that are really small, but I, yeah, it's not it's not widely available mm-hmm. in California by any means. So um we're super excited. You guys kind of got the drop on it. Yeah, we're excited to work with these guys and to, you know, have this really neat and unique product because it, it really is like quite different than anything else that's available right now. Yeah, and that stays in line with kind of who you guys are and your brand of keeping it clean. For sure. I mean, yeah. you can't get much. You, there's no way to to make it cleaner than that, right. I would imagine. Yeah, it's If you're true. just imploding it with pressure, that's that's incredible. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I'm gonna have to get you some of these tablets to try. Yeah, now that I've wow, sold you on them, I know like, I'm I sold really should have brought wow. gifts. You know, I don't know what I was thinking. Well, um, I had rushed um, out of my office today. <laughs> that's uh, yeah, that's. I think the process and the technology that we're seeing in this industry is, it's pretty cool in yeah. my mind. I think that's something that I enjoy seeing because it was back in the day, back when it was legal or illegal. I would go hunting with my dad, and you'd see old grow operations that like the county pulled down or that were destroyed for whatever reason. And then to look where we are today, where fractalization is a thing Mm -hmm. and they're using it on cannabis. I think that's incredible. Yeah. I think that's just such a trip. It's neat as it, as it really like the industry is attracting a lot of great, you know, minds from other industries. And, um, I think that's really cool too, because, um, you know, I think traditionally there was more of like kind of a classic cannabis culture that existed. And now as it, you know, really gains momentum um, worldwide, you know, you have like brilliant scientists and like tech geniuses and, you know, all these people that are like coming into the space to, you know, check it out and contribute. And the other thing I love about cannabis is that like almost everybody that I meet that is like really devoted to the industry they're, they're doing it because they like have a special connection to the plant. You know, it's meaningful to them. They've had some life experience that has like really um, kind of piqued their interest and devotion to this specific plant, you know. So it's not just like an industry where people are just in it because of the money. You know, usually like there's a real like heart connection, you know. And I, I just think it's so neat because um, 
you know, just, just to see, you know, passionate people excited about something and then bringing their talents with them to, to help build this, um, industry. Yeah. It's, it's infectious. It really is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did you do before? I, um, am a biologist and a botanist. And so, oh, wow, okay. yeah. So I worked for, um, different like government organizations or private companies doing like, um, you know, all kinds of like rare plant surveys and consulting and mapping vegetation, GIS stuff. So yeah, that's, that's what I did for years. I went to Humboldt State and I got my degree in biology and botany and um, yeah, I did that for a long time before this. What made you switch? I just, um, you know, honestly, I, I had always, I'd wanted to be a doctor and so I did like a pre-med route, but then I wound up like, um, you know, falling in love and humbled and, you know, having children and, um, you know, we were not in a place to like leave the county and go and, you know, put me through medical school. So I just um, kind of, you know, stuck to like the biological sciences for a long time, but I didn't love that field. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt too... Um, oh, what's the word? Like there was just such a... There's like such a set of like standard operating procedures is just so um, it got mundane for me. I don't know. I, I, I hope people listening won't be insulted by that because I know there's so many biologists around here, but it just wasn't for me. And um, so going into cannabis, like um, having the ability to help like build and inform the regulations and be part of this like seedling industry, you know, that I could contribute to that just like thrilled me, you know, and it still does, honestly. Um, so I just, I find being a part of cannabis a lot more exciting. Yeah. Like I said, it's easy to see that you're passionate about this for sure. It doesn't come off as dry. I think that's important too. I think people need to figure out what, what is their driving factor? It's so true. What's going to make them want to get up every day and feel accomplished. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't even have to like make sense, right? You, You just know in your heart, like when something really feels right, like when you're excited to get up and go to work in the morning, then, you know, it's still a job and it's still work. But, you know, if you're doing something that is meaningful, it makes a really big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Back to your quality of life. It all ties back into that. It yeah. helps. Because if you, if you hate what you do every day or if you wake up and it's it's a chore, it's, it's going to weigh on you. Yeah. And your body's going to reflect that. It's so true. I, I really wonder you know, back to like the first um, little topic that we were having, I think, before we started to record of like, you know, coming out the other side of this pandemic, where we've all had so much time to reflect about, you know, what works in our lives and what doesn't like, I think it's just going to be fascinating to see, you know, how that influences people's like life choices going forward. You know, like I was just reading an article in the New York Times the other day about, all of these millennials that are like, they're done, you know, with the office job sitting behind the computer, even if it pays a lot, many of them are like, walking away from those jobs to um, like, form their own startup, you know, or like, yeah, just have their own little smoothie truck or whatever, just do something that is more meaningful, you know, And, and many of them are moving out of urban centers and just um, living a life that is more meaningful. It's right, like we can't, um, quantify you know our happiness by how many dollars that we make we have to really look at like yeah what feeds us you know and that's just such an important part of it i wonder where that change comes from though i was talking to somebody 
on the last podcast, a friend, Michaela Thorin, um, about this. And we didn't really get anywhere because it's, it's a weird idea. The idea of passing up money for something that's not a sure thing. Yeah. But that feeds you in a different way. That feeds you like in a spiritual way, I guess. Yeah. Where you're passionate about it. And it's important. It's definitely important to have that. But it doesn't seem like it's... It doesn't seem like that has been the predominant way of thinking, at least not for a while. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's kind of rising up in current generations, but like for my parents and my grandparents, that was never a thing. Oh, no. It was never, oh, we're going to do what we love. It's right. no, you're going to go to work yeah. because you have to provide for your family. Yeah, it doesn't you matter if you, you hate complain, it. Yeah, right? You don't complain. You have just a choice. suck you're it gonna, up and yeah, do it. that's the thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where that where that changed because now it seems like more people are flipping the switch and going no i want to do what what makes me happy mm-hmm. i don't care if i have to live out of a van right. or or live out of my fish cart or whatever you want to do <laughs> right. but that's where people that's what people want now i think so yeah which is good i think it's good we're making that change i just don't know why yeah that that is a really interesting question isn't it I mean, maybe it has to do with, like, the way that um, we've raised the more recent generations, you know, because I think it's less of that whole, like, suck it up and we're going to, like, verbally and physically abuse you (laughs) until you, like, fit into this little box, right? Yeah. Like, you cannot do that with, like, I mean, I have two kids that are Gen Zers, you know, and, like, oh, no, you do not. They will plant their feet so hard and just completely, like, dissociate. Like, they, they don't respond well to, like a heavy handed way of, of being, you know? And I, I think that's probably true for a lot of young people, um, you know, maybe to a fault, maybe some people like, you know, people can make the argument that like American children are so overindulged in every way, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's part of it is that like people have been encouraged to kind of like cultivate passions, you know, and then it's, it's hard to, you know, feel like you can only do those, you know, on the weekend for a few hours because you're so exhausted all the time. I mean, I think probably a lot of people still like sustain the job that they don't like because, oh, yeah. you know, you, you have families and you, you, you have expectations feed the kids and, you know, you got to keep the roof over your head. But, um, but I say, if you can do it, you know, if you can pursue your passion, do something that you love and make money at it, like God, go for it, you know? Yeah. That's a win-win situation. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it's important. It's important. If anything comes out of COVID, I hope that, I hope that strengthens yeah. more people. I mean, I've read, you know, heard like a lot of people say, you know, I, I realized like how important my family was to me. I was like across the country from them. And then all of a sudden there was this pandemic and I couldn't see them. And like, you know, I'm going to go move back to, you know, Ohio or wherever, because my parents are there and my sister is there. And, you know, that's actually really important to me. You know, I think that like the whole concept of like the American dream was really about um, building like wealth, right? Like building capital wealth and, you know, at the expense of like culture and traditions and family and all that stuff. And so maybe we're kind of moving back in a direction now of like, yeah, that's a really kind of hollow metric like sure you could have a lot of money and that's you know maybe that comes from a place of like if if you were formerly like part of a culture in a country where you were you didn't have food security right you were you were cold you didn't have enough clothes you couldn't feed your family like that would be a real impetus to strive for money but i mean once you you can kind of like secure those basic tenets 
you know, how far do you want to go with just chasing dollars, right? There's so much more to life. And so I, I do think that for everyone, like this has been such a like completely humbling experience, right? To 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 just go endure a pandemic and know like there's, you know, these sort of elements in the world that are just so much bigger and more powerful than we are. Like this virus could just take us out and we have no control, right? So it really makes you think about like what your priorities are. It's been for me like a very raw, humbling experience, I would say. Yeah, it's a wake up call. Big time. Because yeah. imagine if you if this was worse, if fifty percent of the population was dying. Right. And you had spent the past twenty years in a job that you hated. Yeah. You'd be like, Why did I why did I do that? Yeah. I did all that and then I could get taken out today by this virus that just came out of nowhere. Right. And my life all I have to show is yeah, 20 years of hard work, which is great, but I hated it. I hated yeah. every day of it. Like, that is, that's crazy. It is crazy. And of course, yeah. all of this is perspective, right? If I was homeless in a third world country living a different type of life, I would not probably be sitting here saying that. I would probably be pushing, well, who knows? Maybe I would, but I would definitely be focused on Survival. the monetary aspect. Yeah, of yeah. trying to rise above your circumstances. That's true. I mean, I think we're pretty privileged and in this country and in our community to have a relative comfort level, but um, certainly not everybody does even all around us. Right. So it's crazy. Yeah. Crazy times. I know. Hopefully, hopefully weed and taking care of yourself starts to become a bigger part of the culture. I really hope so. Yeah, I think that would be, <laughs> I'm a I big think people proponent. could use that. I think so too. Um, do you want to plug your website where people can find you? Yes, please. Um, so you can check out humbledapothecary.com. Uh, we've got a lot of resources there, a lot of information about cannabis and how to use it for all kinds of, you know, different um, concerns or reasons. Um, and you can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Humboldt Apothecary. And uh, send us an email. Ask us any questions. We love to answer your questions. Um, and uh, yeah, come visit us at one of the local dispensaries. We're in a number of them. And actually, you can find which one's out on our website, the dispensary locator there. So humbledapothecary.com. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Jillian. <laughs> I, I had a... I had a blast talking with you. That was thank a lot of fun, you. I think. It was a real pleasure to yeah, do this with you Yeah, I hope people get some, some information out of that and expand their worldview maybe yeah maybe so awesome <laughs> all right thank you thank you thanks guys Bye.